Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Friday, August 18th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico, see all the ways that you can save. My name is Daniel Dopp, joined by my best friends, Mike Clay and Field Yates. It's so great to see you guys. I was a little nervous that you were going to say, joined by my, my, my best friend, Mike Clay and, and Field Yates. Yates. He already introduced you, and then he said, best friend, Mike Clay, and I was like, and then he added you and... I, I, you you realized it while you were speaking, didn't you? What you no, not saying? while I was speaking. That definitely not. No oh, okay. way. I knew so it was coming. You were like, okay. if I say this out loud, Field might like side eye me, and this might get uh, awkward. Guys, Even if how I feel is that Mike Clay is my singular best friend, and Field no. is just a friend. No, we can talk. We can, we can cover that up on the podcast. We are the three best friends that anyone has ever had. Is the way that I look. We're at the it. three musketeers. I think kind of an underrated candy bar. Oh, a super underrated candy yeah, bar. Yeah, solid. I love three yep. Musketeers. S- Mike is like one of the three musketeers part. What are candy? I don't. I just. What are candy? I, I, just, I just take creatine and protein and get jacked, and I don't <laughs> eat that junk. I don't eat that garbage. I and, went. I went to Costco yesterday. Oh yeah. And they already have my favorite place to shop. All of the Halloween candy out. I tried so hard to get a box of the full size candy bars, and Rosie was like, "It is not." close enough yet Daniel, you're gonna have to hide them in the house they're gonna Daniel. be gone by the time the halloween gets here this happened to me a month ago really in july i was at a local pharmacy and there was a full wall of halloween candy oh and i gosh. was wow. so what? perplexed <laughs> and perhaps offended <laughs> that i tweeted about it it's preposterous we live in connecticut yes. we get like i don't know three good months of weather also all year yep Halloween is crisp, cool air. I don't want to be thinking about that crisp, cool air when it's 92 degrees out in July. That's fair. Can we just wait another month? Just a little longer. Yeah, you think you really think I have the discipline <laughs> that if I go buy a box of candy right box. now, a whole box, that it's going to last for another two months and two weeks? No. Not a chance. Nope. It'll be gone by sound Sunday. Yeah. I think it's acceptable once the season starts. Like once week one gets once off the football the NFL, season starts. Yeah, once the NFL season starts, that's acceptable. Why? Right? How come why once football season because starts? Because it just feels like it feels like fall when football starts. It feels more season. like okay. fall. Okay, I'll, I'll grant you okay. that. But July was too early. Oh, July is way too early. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I agree one hundred percent. All right, yeah, good. That's a no brainer. Like if you have a better. child whose birthday is in late July, feel free to buy all that Halloween candy because I guarantee you it will not last past that birthday party. Mm-hmm. But any sooner than you. that, or any, it has to be like. Just get me to at least like mid-September. They're I'll at- have six weeks to buy my candy for Halloween. I saw reports that the Costco's in the Seattle area are already devoid of all the candy boxes. They've been bought up by someone that we don't know of in, in the Seattle area. I'm, it was supposed to be a DK Metcalf joke. Uh, so, so. Uh, Didn't land. Sometimes it. it doesn't land, guys. You okay. do what you can. Yeah. We're going to talk about a lot of things on the show today here, Field. Yeah. We got a little bit of news, not really a whole lot. And we're diving into the NFC South in case you have not caught any of the rest of our divisional breakdowns check back for the rest of this week we've been going through every single division a lot to be able to talk about here really quickly though off the top from a news perspective we got news last night joe mixon was found not guilty of menacing obviously a very serious offense something that we've been waiting to figure out to make sure that uh figure out how he is going to be a part of this offense or not a part of this offense if he had been found guilty obviously we'd have a bigger conversation if he were to miss time but as of right now, it doesn't feel like there's going to be anything that will change Joe Mixon's value for us in fantasy. In fantasy. I just wanted to mention that really quickly. Yeah, sometimes it feels a little silly to be talking about fantasy football in the context of a Stuff person like who that. was in uh-huh. court yesterday. But if he had been found guilty, I think there's a pretty legitimate chance that Joe Mixon could have faced some sort of NFL punishment, whether it was imminently 
or at some point down the line. The fact that he was found not guilty certainly reduces that possibility. Joe Mixon, a player we've talked about a bunch on this podcast over the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and by the way, that aside, just in terms of looking at that depth chart, if something were to happen to Joe Mixon injury wise, yeah. very unclear behind him anyway, right? We don't. There's no like Chase answer Brown to question mark. Yeah, Evans Tra- question mark. Travion Williams question yeah. mark. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so here's there. the good news: we've covered our bases. If something does happen, one of us will be right. Yes, that's, that's right. The, that's what we try to do here on that's the focus. Right. Nailed it. We'll just cut that one second of each of us saying that. Yeah. That, that, that one, one, name. That one was it. very yeah. apprehensively. That's so yeah. good. All right, let's dive in. We got a fun, a bunch of fun stuff to talk about today. We do, we do. But uh, before we get to oh, the division, right. yes. Right. So CLG, really cool fault. thing. So uh, we've talked a lot about fantasy football uh, for many years and how much it means to us, and it means something to us professionally. It is our job somehow that we get to talk about fantasy football every single day. But it's something that uh, has become our profession because. We have all long loved it for uh, many different reasons. A big part of that is the community. You know, I play in a league with my high school buddies and Mm -hmm. my college buddies and work friends and people that don't live anywhere close to me, people that live in my neighborhood. It covers a lot of different bases. Oh, yeah. Uh, We have always appreciated the people that have reached out and shared their love story for fantasy football. And uh, last year, you guys may recall, uh, my cousin who lives in Kentucky set up a Kentucky flood relief uh, fantasy league. and They did great work. Shout out to Griffey uh, raising a bunch of money. At some point towards the end of the season, he got an email that he forwarded to me from a gentleman named Shane Burns. And I think that Shane has an incredible story uh, that we have heard similar things from other veterans uh, in the past. And Shane is a veteran. Uh, shout out to all of our veterans uh, that have served our country so nobly. And, uh, you know, he was, as many uh, do, many active members do, they experience some difficult times. It's the one of the most, it's the simultaneously one of the most heroic and perhaps traumatic things uh, that any individual can do. Uh, in life. And um, Shane talked about how fantasy sports, uh, baseball and football, but more recently football really had helped sort of get his life back on track. And I was so touched by uh, Shane's email and he participated in the Kentucky flood relief league last year. And he's a huge saints fan has been playing fantasy football for a long time. So I said, you know something, Shane, this got me something thinking we need to do a veterans league this year, Mm -hmm. a fantasy football league through the fantasy focus that is made up of veterans. Uh, Daniel, of course, a veteran of our country. We talk about that every year during veterans day, something that, uh, you know, for as much success as Daniel has had in his post uh, his post serving time, like the most noble thing Daniel will ever do. Most important thing he'll ever do is being a veteran of this country. So we want to get you involved. Uh, If there are veterans out there that love fantasy football that are listening to this podcast right now, we want you to be a part of this veterans league. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly how many people we can fit into this league. Uh, We might get way more submissions than we can accept, but here's what we're looking for. If you want to be a part of this league with Shane and Daniel, and maybe Mike and I TBD, depending on how many applicants we get, um, do me a favor. Email me at field at fantasyfocus.org. We all have access to this email, so we'll see it in the title. Mention, you know, Veterans League application or something to that effect. And tell us a little bit about you. Uh, We would love to hear a little bit about your story. And we'd love to make this happen. Obviously, the season's, what, 20 days away from starting. So we'll get things rolling here pretty soon. But we hope this is a cool opportunity for people that uh, have done something incredibly powerful and important to our country uh, and now appreciate fantasy football. So, again, field at fantasyfocus.org. Try to make sure to include something in reference to the Veterans League in the subject. And uh, we're going to see how much interest we get. And if we get a whole lot more than one league, then 
maybe we'll find something else, whether it's, uh, you know, a pick em pool or something like that, whether we can integrate everybody into. Um, yeah. But we're looking to at least one Veterans League. And uh, if we get a ton of interest, we'll find a way to make other people whole and happy as well. I love it. Love I it. love it, Field. Let's do it. This is the thing. Fantasy is just always so much fun. Being able to get in those leagues, it doesn't make a difference if you know everybody. There's just this camaraderie of like, we have this shared experience. Mm -hmm. We love being able. I'll tell you what, after the podcast yesterday, Mike Clay, I uh, immediately texted in the Michigan men group that we have because the podcast is a big thing. Yeah. I let them immediately know. Mike Clay said that Jared Goff is going to be Blake Bortles. I let them know that uh, David Montgomery is running back 29 and that the Lions will not win the division. I just want you to know there was a lot of stuff that wasn't said in there, but what I can say is fantasy football is thick with all of our fans. I'll mm. tell you what. We're not a lot of Mike Clay fans here, but I'll... So I'm not going to the Detroit Live You're not going to come to the... I'm no, we're not going to do the Michigan show this year. Well, the NFL draft is in Detroit next year. So they all want us to do a show at the draft, which... That's probably above our pay grade, but how fun would that be? We're going to work like crazy to try to make that happen. Absolutely. I, I need a security team for that. So, wow. We'll of course, from, like, uh, of course, Mike has become a diva already. Yeah, it's like, I don't you. know how this no, works. No, I need it because you're, right, you're to setting protect me up for him failure. from <laughs> the buddies. <Yeah. laughs> I'm going to get sandwiches thrown at me by Detroit fans. Uh, they have names. Wiz or Wiz without? Uh, he has without. 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 You without. know what that means? That's, I know well, it's a Philly thing. That's a fi- of course I do. Oh, Mike, wow. Mike, literally, the Phillies were in the World Series last year, and you were like, what's baseball? Well, yeah, that, well that's true. That's but a different. She, but it's food. Like, food okay. I have Food is food, different. You know. Food to okay. food. You know. I got yeah. that nailed down. All right. Now we're going to dive into the <laughs> NFC South. Not a very good division here, guys. I just got to be honest about this. I look. I was looking through. Panthers, mm. negative point differential. Falcons, negative point differential. Saints, negative point differential. Bucks, yeah. negative point differential. What's a good? tough one here? You know uh, the old saying, we saved the best for last? Yeah, that's, that's we did not, not do that in this did. case. <laughs> Sorry. No, we did not. All right. The Carolina Panthers obviously have Bryce Young now starting for them under center field Yates, but I want to start with Miles Sanders, a guy that was fantastic last year in Philly with Jalen Hurts. Something to remember, he was sixth most, he had the sixth most goal-to-go carries, 11 rushing touchdowns field. I looked at Miles Sanders' Madden stats before we started the show so I could know if I was supposed to say good things or bad things about him. It's very Tyreek Hill of you. A little bit Tyreek Hill. But tell me why you think maybe this is not as negative of a situation for Miles Sanders going from Philadelphia, as it seems, to a Carolina Panthers Yeah, so you and I are six slots apart on Miles Sanders in our running back rankings, which is a fairly significant gap that high up on the board. Yep. I'm finding myself perhaps more optimistic than many in the industry on Miles Sanders. Let's just start with a couple of baseline criteria. He's a good football player, right? Mm -hmm. Second round pick, a guy who was the Eagles leading rusher last year, a guy who was a big part of a team that made the Super Bowl, and it wasn't some fluke that he was as successful as he was last year. He goes to Carolina in this offseason in what was an extremely dry market for running backs, got a real four-year, $25 million contract. This was a real investment by Carolina early in free agency. And Carolina is very notable. He reunites with Frank Reich and Mm -hmm. Deuce Staley, who were the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach slash running backs coach when he was in Philadelphia as a rookie. So all these things are important. Let's talk about the situation in Carolina. An offensive line that is expected to return all five starters from last year once a couple of guys get healthy. This is a team, yeah, good offensive Mm -hmm. line, by the way, that was the 10th best rushing attack 
last year. It actually got better once Christian McCaffrey yes, got traded. They were so sixth in rushing yards they were, at, by running correct. backs yep. after the trade. Yep. Yeah. So they were really effective running the football last year. Obviously, with the new staff, it's going to be a new system. But I wanted to establish the baseline that this is a good player playing with a good offensive line. It's got a lot of continuity, not a theme across most offensive lines in the NFL. And I know this is the thing that probably will separate where Mike and I see him, but 50 catches as a rookie for Miles Sanders. He's capable of catching the football, right? He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Austin Eckler or one of those types of players. But I think last year's utilization as a receiver was much more reflective of Kenneth Gainwell being there. The Eagles throwing the football as infrequently to running backs as any offense in the NFL. And the fact that, that, I mean, just really those two factors, to be honest well, with you, and, more than anything Jalen else. Hurt, like, like, if Jalen Hurts, he's not going to dump it off. He's, yeah, he's going to be tucking right, right? Or he's going to have design runs. So exactly. he goes to a system playing with a quarterback that is not much of a runner, mm-hmm. who is an excellent distributor, where I think they're going to pretty heavily involve Miles Sanders here. There's 288 carries vacated between Christian McCaffrey and Deontay Foreman. I keep thinking to myself, there's a pretty darn big workload. I think he's going to catch the football enough behind a good offensive line playing with a rookie quarterback that maybe, and I think sometimes this stuff gets a little bit too anecdotal. Maybe the formula for Carolina early will be to try to play really good defense and maybe lean on that running game early in the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I kind of meet in the middle of you two guys on this one, because to to your points, all fair, uh, he is going to a solid offensive line, but one that's certainly inferior to what he had in Philadelphia. Also an offense. We don't expect to score nearly as many points uh, points this year as Philadelphia did last year, especially with the rookie quarterback. Um, but I will say this, my main concern with Sanders is, I mean, first of all, his receiving efficiency, the last three years has been atrocious, arguably worst at running back yards per target wise. It is dead last, uh, among 73 qualified running backs over the last three seasons. That does concern me a little bit. I do think his targets will go up, but here's the thing. My ceiling is my concern since he was drafted. He is first in rushing EPA per carry. He is fifth in yards per carry last year. He was fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. Guys, he finished 15th in fantasy points. That's a career high. That's his best season ever in that with that elite efficiency, with all those touchdowns, with the fifth most rushing yards. He was 15th and he's never beat that prior to that in in great Eagles offenses at times in Philadelphia. So where is the ceiling? Can he actually get past that in an inferior offense? That's what bothers me. And I do think his targets will be up with Bryce Young instead of Jalen Hurts. But. Yep. To what extent? I don't think it's going to be a, a substantial boost in targets in this offense. So maybe for me, what I'm, I'm hoping I'm for 19, 20, right in that range. So what I'm hoping for is that this is the first time in his career where he gets like true workhorse running back carries with enough passing game utilization, right? Because as a rookie, when he had those 50 catches, he had just 179 carries. Mm-hmm. If that number jumps to 230, which that's less than uh, that's right around 15 per game. And he gets four targets a game then we could be talking about a guy who slots in is like every single week, 15 to 20 in our running back rankings. Sure. Yeah. I like Miles Sanders this way. And for like everything you said, Field, I don't disagree with it. I think where I have him as running back 23, he's still a startable RB2 for me. If you leave your draft with him as your RB2, I'm fine with that. Part of the reason why he's a little lower for me is since entering the league, he leads all running backs in yards before first contact. That Eagles offensive line did him a lot of favorites totally. on top of him being really good. So like Mike said, we don't expect that offense to be quite as good. So because of that, a little bit less touchdown efficiency, maybe a little less running efficiency. That's the only reason why. But if he outperforms any of that pass catching usage that he has not done the last previous years, he could boom up this list field. He feels like one of them 
every week, boring, solid RB2. Correct. He's exactly younger than James Conner, like. right? And the other thing hey, I'll yeah. say is but in James this without catching James passes. Conner, uh, well, he might. I think he's going to catch. I think it'll be forty-five up. or fifty yeah. passes this year. And um, I'm big on checking right now, like on my RB twos, like who has legitimate competition behind them. And Chuba Hubbard's probably the next man up, and yeah. he's fine. He had some moments last year, but I don't think he's a real threat to take over a guy that they just made this twenty-five million dollar over four-year investment in. Yeah, yeah. There's been some Raheem Blackshear obvious passing situation workload sort of, sure. kind of like you referenced Gainwell. Could steal some targets to be annoying yeah. for Sanders, people have Sanders, but again, not, nothing that's a clear option. Like this guy could steal the job. There's yep. like no one on the on the team that can do that. All right, so obviously Miles Sanders, someone that we could draft for our fantasy team. Is there anyone else, Mike Clay, on this Panthers <laughs> roster that you even are you? Let me say it this way instead: Are there any wide receivers that are worth potentially late round flyers? Yes, in fantasy drafts. I think all three. I think all three are fine because. Any one of the three could be the number one. And when you're at that point in your draft, and I should say which three, right? I was just going to say that, be, yes. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess some people could take LaVisca Chenault. I guess yep. that could oh, still happen. Yeah. Terrence Marshall down uh, the DJ, middle. DJ Chark's my favorite, MF51. Okay. Adam Thielen, four spots lower. Jonathan Mingo is the second-round rookie. Who could be the number one? Any of those three guys could be that primary target. I've seen reports that Thielen looks like his top guy early on. I think that at his age, 33, and in a short-range, as a short-range target, limited upside, Chark, who led the NFL on average at the target last season, could be the clear out guy and have some kind of boom games, a bunch of boom games this season, maybe yep. a better DFS option. So um, Chark's my favorite. I think he's just the best player at, in his prime. Uh, but again, I mean, you've Mingo is a second round pick four, four, six wheels at six, one, two, twenty. That's uh, not the best quarterback play at Ole Miss, but he, he made some plays. So he's an interesting name to watch. It's again, you're not going to start all three. You probably yeah. won't start two, but we, the question is, which is the one that could sneak into flex or wide receiver three value. That's what late round picks are for. Throw a dart at these guys. This, but this offense reminds me a bit of the Patriots in 2021 with Mac Jones in his rookie season, right? Like they've got a bunch of guys who I think are okay to solid. Mm -hmm. It may be though that like, rather than one of these players emerging, it's Mingo has four or five games of lead receiver and Adam Thielen has yeah. maybe six or seven. And maybe there's a handful of games where DJ Chark has the most points. Maybe even Hayden Hurst has a moment here or there. It's just going to be really difficult for us to ascertain week in and week out who we expect that to be. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move ahead. We're going to talk about the Falcons next. Last year, they were 7-10. and 10, Negative 21-point differential. Actually, everything you said about the Carolina Panthers, maybe they take a page out of the Falcons book. Like you said, Field, they try to run the ball a whole bunch. They try to be able to play really good defense because the South, uh, it's pretty weak. Let's talk about Bijan Robinson. This is the guy that everybody's excited about in this offense. Actually, I'm excited about all three guys in this offense. They have three incredible skill position players. It's going to start with Bijan at the running back position. The most hyped running back coming out of the draft in the last five years, 10 years, Field Yates. Talk to me about this Bijan hype. I mean, the Bijan hype is real with one caveat that we'll discuss in just a little bit. So let me, let me leave that off to the side here for a second. Okay. Try to find a hole in his game. You'll be searching for a long time. B. John Robinson is the real deal. This guy is an incredible runner. He had 19 catches last season for Texas. That's not reflective of the skill set that he has as a receiver. Oftentimes in college, guys who are super talented pass catchers just run the football a ton because it's like five-star you, right? They're just right. running past defenses, and Texas's offense did not need B. John Robinson to be exclusively a receiver for him to be an awesome part of their team. Uh, he was the real deal from start to finish at Texas. Checks every box physically. He's got incredible measurables, ran fast at the combine. You've seen all the hype and the highlights uh, so far this preseason. 
eighth overall pick for a team that was the run heaviest or second run heaviest team last they year. They were uh, they were run heaviest. They were. Uh, what was, was it? 52% of their there. called plays. Uh, they led the NFL in running back rushing yards yeah. as well. So, so run heaviest scheme. Yeah. Run heaviest scheme with the most running back rushing yards last season. In so many ways, this feels like a dream scenario for B. John Robinson. There's one caveat here. And I am not buying into this caveat yet because I have B. John Robinson as a top four running back. I'm all in on I me. Mean, we are all, I think, yes. all in on B. John Robinson. Have him as a first round pick. I got him ninth in the mock draft on Tuesday. Felt like that was a great value. Here's the only thing that I think people are nervous about, and I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes it's tough for me to ignore. He's never going to tell us. I know. No, I was, no, no. I was, I've been thinking here. about this. I've been waiting. The anticipation right. is it up. killing me. I know where right. it's going, but he won't uh, tell us. We'll be back after your seven <laughs> live reads. Um, yes. So, uh, no, more seriously, it's that this is an offense that over the past two seasons has not maximized elite talents, mm-hmm. fourth and eighth overall pick in Kyle Pitts and also Drake London. Yeah. And I'm not sure that any coach subscribes to coach speak more than Arthur Smith, the Falcons head coach, but he's been talking about things like, yeah, you know, Tyler Algier is going to have a role. We're going to play the hot hand, things like that. I'm really, 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 really praying that actions are very different than words, <laughs> because if this team invests the eighth overall pick in a running back with all the needs they had, and I've said this before, and all the players available in this past draft, mm-hmm. and they use Bijan Robinson as part of a committee, it's a failure the second it takes place. Mm-hmm. So that's the mm-hmm. only thing that I'll introduce. I am banking on that not happening. I've got him as a top four play. Yeah, the, and my uh, my point here kind of relates to that, which is that Tyler Algier is going to have a role, and that's okay. They yeah. averaged 27 running back carries a game last season. If you just give half of those to Bijan, yep. that's already you know, 14, 15 carries sure. on top of a substantial receiving role. We know that's going to happen, right? Four, five, six, seven targets a yep. game. Yep. That's enough to be a strong RB one, especially if you're at that level of athlete that Bijan Robinson is. So yeah. yes, uh, Tyler Algier will have over a hundred carries. Maybe he easily crushes that and that's okay. Bijan will still be an RB one. Uh, the other point here is that again, I have hammered this stat home all season long because the other pushback is how can I spend a first round pick on a rookie. a rookie. I got never, never played. Right? I got yeah. Okay. And the only pushback to that again, I've, I've drilled this into the ground, but I'll say it again. All six running backs that have been drafted top 10 since 2011 have finished top 10 in fantasy points as a running back. Saquon Barkley, Trent Richardson, Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, and Todd Gurley. All six, 100% over the last decade. These teams take guys in the first round or in the top 10, top 15. This applies to Jamar Gibbs as well. They use them a lot and they're super productive in fantasy every single time. If you ever, if you're in a debate with somebody and you're debating a rookie and his fantasy value, and that person wants to use the fact that that player has not done it before as part of their argument, you can immediately say, I win that argument. Like, do we not see rookies dominate? Right. Not just amongst rookie running backs in fantasy football. Yeah. Like, do do we not see what happens all the freaking time? Like Micah Parsons, the day he stepped on the field for the Cowboys after taking a year off from football because of the COVID year. He was an unbelievable player, right? Like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Like these guys come in and absolutely mash. Like it's one of the dumbest arguments that I hear Mm -hmm. fairly frequently in fantasy football discourse. So the next time somebody comes at you and says, well, he hasn't done it before. You just, you just tell that person, you can just get up. You carry like a little stamp with an L an L stamp, which I'm sure everybody carries stamps. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Right. And you just, you just put it right in their forehead and you just say, I win. (laughs) There's that seems reasonable, right? I like that feel. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I will say this about Bijan. 
I feel. Don't I've you been, dare. I'm, no, no, no. There's nothing negative. Oh, okay. I've been talking with Mike Rothstein a bunch because he's obviously our Falcons NFL Nation reporter. He is convinced that they are going to use both Bijan and Tyler Algier a fair amount. They're not going to go away from Tyler Algier, but he will be used Bijan as a mm-hmm. as a heavy pass catcher in this offense. I don't know. I need to see 300 touches, Mike. Is he going to see 300 total touches this year? I, he could push for that. And this high volume offense, they're going to run this offense through through the running backs and the, and the running game. And when they throw I'm it, better. it's going to go to two guys. Remember, yep. Kyle Pitts was second, and Drake London, I believe, was fourth or third at at wide receiver and target share last season. Yep. When they throw, it goes to two guys, and it'll go to a third guy, Bijan. Now, uh, and but there's going to be so much volume in the running game. And by the way, we're going to get to this. I want to get into this more when we get to the Saints. This division. You could argue has the easiest, second easiest, third easiest, and fourth easiest schedules in the NFL this season. That's wow. wild, really. Wow. Yeah, you can make dive them all in the top five. It's uh, it's a very light slate for this uh, division. I don't want to dismiss this name because I think people who listen to this podcast know we love him. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what the Cordero Patterson role is. Uh, I hope that it's more receiver than running back this year. I hope That's so. all I'll say. Who's our number two receiver right now? He probably is right. So, well, who is? Matt oh, who is? Okay, he's, he's trying to block. He's, okay. he's going to right. Yeah. He'll be blocking. So. Yeah, they have major. He's you know receiver. More like a sixth offensive lineman than a second wide receiver. Yeah, Matt Collins this year. I have to imagine that's that's why they targeted him. I feel like to be the number two, and we've seen that from offenses before. That a clear run heavy offense brings in a starting receiver to play a bunch of snaps and have that specific role of blocking. Sometimes it's a clear out role. Like Marcus Valdez Scantling was in Green Bay and was in uh, was in Kansas City last year. We call the Air Yards God, right? The the Saints famous for that with guys like Devery Henderson. Yeah, Robert Robert Meacham. Oh my God, they'd have like they'd be like second in snaps at receiver but yeah. like 45th in targets right. it's just it's just a it, it's a role it really is yeah all right let's keep moving on we're going to talk about kyle pitts you said that this was an offense that's going to run through these running backs Eesh. we've been trying to make kyle pitts happen it sort of happened his rookie season let's be honest about it that did. it absolutely did yeah i mean it happened through the receiving yards it didn't mm-hmm. i didn't get the touchdown equity i was looking for from a guy sure. that was drafted number three overall but uh, when I'm looking at Kyle Pitts, we're still talking about him sometimes like he's a superstar because he is a unicorn and he is still so young, Mike. But there are reasons why we don't have him listed as the top three tight end that he was. Give me both the pros and cons for drafting Kyle Pitts this year. Yeah, the mm. low volume passing game with a very suspect quarterback situation. We don't know if Desmond Ritter can do it. I mean, he had what he four starts last year. He threw two touchdowns mm-hmm. and they both came against in week 18 against the Bucks backups. Right. So he threw against starting defenses. He had zero passing touchdowns. That's a concern. Uh, also, you know, and again, they're going to run the ball so much. It's just ha- what is his ceiling in terms of volume? And he hasn't had that full season yet where he's put it all together in terms of yardage and the touchdowns last year, actually 10 games, only a two top, top 12 fantasy week. So I still believe in the talent. Uh, I'm still out on him as a mid range tight end one. I just don't know if he's in position right now in the scheme to get to that elite level in a different offense. It might be a different conversation. I know Mike agrees with this, but I think the good news here is that the cost is such that it's so it's such a low risk play compared to where last year was right last year. You were using a top 25 pick on Kyle Pitts, hoping he could challenge Travis Kelsey or at least Mark Andrews, one of the most Mm -hmm. elite tight ends in all of fantasy football for as bad as it was last year and make no mistake about it. It was bad. Once he got hurt or prior to his injury, Pitts was seventh in tight end targets, Mm. 11th in tight end receiving yards. So I know that neither of those numbers are the kind that you're hoping for out of a guy that was the fourth overall pick in the draft. But now he is going seventh amongst all tight ends at the top of the eighth round in 10 team leagues. So rather than paying full freight for Kyle Pitts, you're getting him Mm -hmm. probably closer to in line with where he should be 
in drafts right now, like behind the likes of Dallas Goddard and George Kittle, ahead of the likes of Evan Ingram and Pat Fryermuth. That seems to me like a reasonable cost. I have decided that like I am going to be, we used this phrase uh, previously, like I w- I'd rather be a year too late than a year too early on expecting Travis Kelsey or Derrick Henry to decline. Yep. I might be like two to four weeks too early to state that like, Kyle Pitts is all the way back if he has a hot start because this offense, as Mike referenced, is so low volume. And I still don't know exactly what Desmond Ritter is going to be as an NFL quarterback. But I think Kyle Pitts has now settled into a spot where the risk is largely offset by the price. Yeah. And when you consider the mid to back end tight end one options, doesn't it feel like sixth or seventh is his floor? For Kit Pitts, it's like, close. we're probably yeah. drafting him at his floor. And what? he might have more he might be more likely. How, how do you say that? What? We saw his floor be lower than that, like last year. I mean, is, I, I mean, his, vol, his volume is good. B. John Robbins, yeah, volume is good in a very low you, volume. Head. Well, you think there's a chance the, based on his skill level and his t- the target share he saw last season, even if it sounded a little bit, that he's going to be like tight end 13 points per game? Like, it's good like a points behind. per game last year. I like, I just, I, I just have a hard time believing that a player that's entering his prime years with his skills. With that target share last season, with already is a thousand yard season. It's about the belt. offense. Make then make Arthur, Arthur Smith but use still, him, Mike. But, That's but, what it is for. Okay, me. but yeah. think about the guys like in the back end there. Guys that you know, like Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryer. Like these guys have a hard time clearing five touchdowns. They don't I mean, have George the upside before last year. I'll give you Kyle Pitts has way more upside than those. I just guys. think it's unlikely that he's not a tight end one. I think it's unlikely. Yeah, you know, I, like I'm sort of recusing myself from like too much Kyle Pitts optimism just because <laughs> I got stung pretty I'll hard. Take it. Yeah, I mean, again, I like him at cost right now. I have no problem yeah. with that. I will, um, I will be pleasantly surprised if he delivers a top five or top eight tight end season. Yeah, the only reason tight end I, top top five because I haven't marked a tight end seven. Yeah, so, the, yeah. the only reason I don't draft him more is because I, you can get Darren Waller or like a round or two later, yeah, and yeah. he's just a better value. But if I'm if I'm going to take one earlier or Waller comes off the board early, I would gladly. Uh, grab Kyle Pitts. All right. Well, he's not the only pass catcher in this offense field. We saw that, and Mike's been talking about it, huge yeah. target share for Kyle Pitts, but they're not a heavy volume passing offense. Yeah. Can Drake London potentially have some second year breakout potential in this offense? So we did see sort of a late surge from uh, Drake London from weeks 14 through 18. He was 17th in receptions and 16th in receiving yards. That was the last five weeks of the season. So that right. was good. And Basically this is a player. Yeah. And like, he rules, right? This was the eighth overall pick very justifiably a year ago. I love this uh, stat that he was the uh, the Pac-12, which RIP, I guess, uh, the Pac-12 <laughs> Offensive yeah. Player of the Year back in 2021, the fall of 2021. Yes, fall of 2021. And he got hurt like on Halloween that season and still won Offensive Player of the Year because he right. was yeah, so yeah, yeah. damn good during his final college season. I think the world of him as a player, the question I think you have to ask yourself, and Mike raised this with Miles Sanders, is what's the upside for Drake London here, right? Because you're an extremely run-heavy offense, a quarterback that's a major question mark. Now, the good news is that it should go up compared to where it was last year. The Falcons were 31st in off-target percentage of throws last season. Obviously, Marcus Mariota was the starter for much of last year. I think Desmond Desmond Ritter will be better, but how much better is he than Marcus Mariota? I just don't have like a significant sample size that tells me for sure he's way better. Yes, he was the quarterback when for much of when Drake London got hot last season, but 
I just think because of the fact that this team could easily lead the NFL in rushing attempts mm-hmm. and certainly running back rushing yards this year, like, is there a top 15 outcome for Drake London unless he just totally crushes it in the touchdown department? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's I'm what not, I was going to say. Uh, exactly. I'm not, I, I'm having a hard time with him at ADP. I think he's generally going in 12 teamers, like in the fifth round. Yeah. And I just, I can't see it. Like I'm 31st on my board. I, and again, I like, he was 12th in yards per out run as a rookie last year. He was fourth in target share. It's just the low volume is crushing and he's not the only guy too. They're going to, you know, in, in addition to the running backs, Kyle Pitts will be featured in this offense, right? So it's Bijan just on as a runner. It just feels yeah, like tough. think about how far the Falcons would have to come offensively for Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts and Drake London to mash during the same season. Yeah, that feels like a long ways away from a team. Desmond Ritter would have that, to crush. Yeah. I was just going to say that they would awesome. need that big leap. They he would have to yeah. make a big leap and they would have to balance out the offense as a as a result, and that's a possibility, yeah. but I didn't see that from Ritter. Not to mention he was he fell to the third round yeah. last year. There's no reason to be, you know, to expect that as the likely outcome here. The uh and this is a and I, I don't love when we fall back on these phrases, but I mentioned it with the Panthers. Like every team in this division can go into the season thinking if we play stellar defense and run the crap out of the ball, mm. we can make the playoffs. And the Falcons spent about as much money as anybody this offseason on defense, like they could legitimately be an above-average defense, run the crap out of the ball, and win nine, ten games this year, and yeah. maybe challenge for a playoff spot. That could work for them this year. So it, it just feels like year. yeah, how I mean, bad that division was. It almost worked. They almost I, got I've in. been watching. Have you guys watched quarterback on Netflix yet? I've watched a few part of it, right? Yeah, yeah like just it. as you get through it, you're just like, wow, you forget this Falcons team last year. Like somehow they stayed competitive yeah. until like two thirds of the way through the season, like pretty miraculously. That was one of the, and it's a better team on, on paper this year. And they did it through the running game because the yep. defense wasn't good. And they were actually a pretty efficient offense yep. more so than you think, even with Mariota because of the run game, which made it a little head scratching that they drafted a running back in the top 10. Cause right. that was not a problem area. They literally were first in rushing yards by running backs last year. And it was effective. Right, you know, that that's, there we go. Like, that's what I need to be reminded of to be like, okay, they have to go all in on Bijan. Right? Because like they didn't need yeah, yeah. him and they took him. Come on, people like mm-hmm. make it happen. That's where like, and I know you guys are saying this, but like everything about these stats for Drake London and Kyle Pitts feels like pseudo misleading. Like he was, he was Drake London was fifth in target share. But when it's such a yeah. run heavy but, yeah. team, yeah, that number is definitely point. misleading. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and I'll, t- I'll, get, I'll give it to you. 29% target share was fourth highest, but he was 21st in targets, which is right. right. And, and, and I think we, so I think like, we uh, made that point though. Right. We said was, it's, it's misleading. I was digging through old Eagles statistics because like in preparation for the Miles Sanders conversation today, and mm-hmm. I missed his, I thought he was a rookie in uh, 20, uh, 2018. It was actually 2019, and so I was looking at the rushing leaders, and it was Josh Adams with like 432 (laughs) yards. So yes, like yes, you can be the. He was the Eagles' leading rusher, and he would have been like you know like whatever, 57th in the overall NFL. So Mm -hmm. yes, he was the fifth. He had the fifth highest target share. Did uh, Drake London, but it was still a much lower number. There Mm -hmm. were guys who were probably like you know 27th in target share that had way more targets than Drake London. Yep. All right. We're going to keep on moving through the NFC South in a minute, but first field Yates. How would you love it? Uh, Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Yes, I would. Of course you guys would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus add an easy to use mobile app available 24 hour roadside assistance and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. So go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. 
Mike's trying to vigorously. I'm doing so. Ever go to your email and you like scan a bunch of emails and then you, you like you just select them all and then hit delete. But right when I did that, another one popped up and it disappeared. So I was trying to figure out. So you're trying I just to shake to undo. So I, thought, shake I was shaking to undo. I thought I got an important email from uh, from Field Eight. So I was checking, but I did see shake while I was looking at this while you were doing the read. I was looking at. Uh, the news we got news from Adam Schefter. Speaking of former Eagles, Jason Peters coming back for season twenty. Wants to play. Wow. Twenty. He's yeah. going to try and sign somewhere and play. So that's, that's awesome. amazing. Yeah, what a career. He's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. unreal to play. I feel like that many that many seasons at that position. And he's had too. so many injuries too. Yeah. And he's had to battle through. And he just keeps coming back every yeah. year and playing well. Yeah. Incredible. All right, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. Last year they were seven and ten, negative fifteen point differential. Things should be different this year, though. Field Yates because they have a guy named Derek Carr under center, hoping that this is going to make this offense run a little bit smoother this year. But one of those questions on the offense. Is Alvin Kamara has been suspended for three games. If it had been a bigger suspension, we'd have a longer conversation. But three games feels like a pretty easy thing for us fantasy managers to overcome at the beginning of the season. You should have plenty of reasons to be able to draft Alvin Kamara and fill in someone else for those first couple games. How are you approaching him with this suspension? Yeah, so no matter what running back strategy you take, you're going to be able to find two serviceable options to hold over for three weeks, whether yep. you go heavy on running backs early, mm -hmm. whether you go hero RB, zero RB strategy, whatever it is, you can find two serviceable, two serviceable bodies for those first three weeks. So I think the conversation then becomes like how much of a discount are you going to get on Alvin Kamara and what kind of player is he going to be when he returns? He's going to end up going probably closer to like, RB 25 in drafts. Once things, uh, once we get to the heat of draft season, ADP data, I think becomes a little more reflective of reality. Um, the question that I have about Alvin Kamara is, are the days of like peak upside over for Alvin Kamara? I'm starting to wonder if that's the case. In PPR? I don't know about that. But I peak like, upside, peak upside. Oh, like top three. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, maybe, he, maybe even more like top eight. Running back seasons from Alvin Kamara. Here's the questions that I have. Over the past two seasons, Alvin Kamara has 104 catches. That's eighth amongst running backs. That, that's that's totally serviceable, mm -hmm. right? And that what that does is it sets a very legitimate floor, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. the first uh, in the first four seasons of his career, he had 326 catches. That was the most by a decent amount amongst mm -hmm. all running backs, right? So like, there was the peak. And then as the rushing efficiency is concerned, over the past two seasons, he has the ninth most rushes in the NFL. Remember, early in his Saints career, he was not rushing the football 200 times a season. He has become more that workhorse over the past couple of seasons, and he has just six rushes for at least 20 yards over the past two seasons. So while he's ninth in the NFL in carries, he's 34th in the league in rushes of at least 20 yards. So I feel like maybe... That's so weird. He's such an explosive player. Doesn't it feel like that number should be higher? But do we think he's as explosive now? He certainly he was not explosive sure. last year as he was in prior seasons. Well, I referenced the great Nick Underhill article mm -hmm. earlier this offseason about how he thinks he may have tapped into some of the reasons why the explosiveness went away and how it might be better this year. But this is one of my like under-the-radar questions surrounding Alvin Kamara and fantasy football this year is like, have the days of peak value gone behind him? Well, he is. What age is he? 28, baby. He's 28. That's your number. Yeah, he is. He's 28 years old. So you would expect him to uh, take a dive in production and efficiency. Uh, I will say this. He has missed games. Uh, by the way, I want to answer your question first. I think like RB8, yeah, probably is ceiling. So I tend to agree. Like, I don't okay. think he's going to be a guy we're ranking as a top five option. But can he be RB8 or RB12 sort of in that range on a week-to-week -week basis? Yes. And I have him projected for 10 to 12 carries and four to six targets per game, which I think is 
perfectly reasonable yeah. and conservative, and that's going to be enough in PPR to be in that RB1 conversation. Um, but check this out. He has missed games five straight seasons. This yeah. is rookie year. He's missed games at least every year. He has still finished top five at running back in targets and top 12 in yards, not per game, total, mm. all five of those seasons. Yeah. So that just shows you the floor he really brings to the table and why just a three-game suspension, I have been taking him at ADP. You know, he was in the eighth round. He's starting to climb up a little bit. I agree. We'll kind of see where he settles. Could be fifth, sixth Let's round. Let's talk about that. Hold but I, will, I, I, I do want to interrupt you because you said eighth round and you said ADP should settle in around 25. Yeah. Right RB now. Yeah. Right now, he's going as running back 17. That number is rising. Okay. That's an RADP. An so RADP coming off the board with the 55th yeah. pick. So that's, that's 55. That can be, yeah, that can be 55 what? 55 picks. 55 picks. 55 picks. 55 picks. 55 burgers. But okay, I mean, so. on a, you're talking sixth round, mid sixth round there in ESPN yeah. drafts. 55 yeah. beignets. It's tricky. Yeah. Sometimes I think that is a little bit driven by where they're ranked in our draft room a little bit. Well, we so should I, talk to the guy who ranks that those, those guys. Yeah, yeah. I know that. That's why I don't. That's why I often reference other ADP because you want to, like, this is where they're going in our draft rooms. It's fine. But sometimes totally. if you're, if there's a lot of people watching who are getting ready for their live draft in person. Yeah. And I don't know why, but not all of those people will have our cheat sheets. You know, I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's a smart move, but some people right, are going to have agree. cheat sheets from other yeah. places and they need to know where these guys might go. So I do think he will go a little bit lower than that. By the way, one interesting nugget here, which is there's a quarterback change, yeah. and you might be wondering, well, is Derek Carr going to throw it to him as often? Check this out. Last year, Josh Jacobs had fewer than 100 yards less than Alvin Kamara. He was within 100 receiving yards of Alvin Kamara yeah. last season. Oh, they smashed. Threw, Carr threw it to Jacobs a ton yeah. in Las Vegas last season. So I'm not saying Jacobs is as good as him, but it just shows you that Carr not afraid to dump it off. He'll be doing that to Kamara a ton this season. Well, Kamara is definitely the pass catcher in that as the running back in that offense. It's not going to be going to Jamal Williams. Nope. Is there any question mark about Jamal Williams potentially being able to take away too much goal line work to affect either Alvin Kamara or give him potential standalone flex value like he saw in Detroit? I don't think he's going to be a, a flex option just because he was struggling. To, he, it was all about, touchdowns. Had, it was all touchdowns last season. And a lot of carry. He had a career high in carries by far. I think uh, aside of the first three weeks, I think Williams will have a hard time cracking the RB2 conversation. Maybe a non-PPR flex or fringe top 25 guy, but not a guy I'm going out of my way to pick. Not to mention Kendra Miller should be involved those first three weeks yep. as well. All right. Not a beignet guy, by the way, Jamal Williams. Can we, like, that's right. He's not. <laughs> yeah, but worst photo of all time. Which the beignet Matthew's photo? photo oh, that's, come on. Like, that's like, that's like a sneaky homage. great. That like, was a legendary. Moment. Yeah, that was so good. Was like it was photo. one of those like. I always say that Instagram is like the like you know the point one percent best photos on your phone, right? And so it's like yeah, I'm about to go filter this thing. Yes. It's going to be so good. I'm going to get it into focus and like I'm going to you know get a little bit of extra lighting on it. Like take four or five different shots, make sure I can survey the best oh, yeah. of those four or five shots. And then Matthew literally came up with the worst photo of all. Well, he was walking past the table and like it was <laughs> just post. Right it now. was great. I love it. Oh my gosh! All right, oh, let's talk God. about this. Shout out to you, Matthew. We miss you, buddy. Um. All right, Field Yates. Yep. There was one wide receiver that won Offensive Rookie of the Year. It probably shouldn't have because yep. I think it should have been this guy instead. Are mm. you in on Chris Olave this season? All right, we need to rename him. Chris All In Olave. Oh, oh I like that. Chris oh, All In Olave. Field's favorite comes out next week. We'll probably talk about this guy a whole lot again. Uh, you know him. He's awesome, right? Uh, you mm -hmm. are correct that Garrett Wilson won Offensive Rookie of the Year. His Ohio State teammate, Chris Olave, did not. But... Chris Olave did have the most fantasy points per game amongst all rookie wide receivers. And moreover, this is one of my favorite stats over the past 15 seasons, the top five rookies 
in yards per route run. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, good. Odell Beckham Jr., also good. Jamar Chase, great. and Chris Olave, wow. number five. That's a big list. Okay, I'm not saying You're that all these stats. I feel like I'm yeah. too low on him yeah. suddenly. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that every stat guarantees success going forward, but I think it's indicative of a player who's got an incredible skill set. Chris Olave mm-hmm. is the real deal. He has been the talk of the town at Saints training camp, yes, he dominating has. training camp for the Saints this year. A quarterback upgrade. Dalton was not terrible last year, right? But mm. I think they're getting an obvious upgrade. Olave led the NFL in air yards last season, which is one of those stats that, as Mike mentioned, like sometimes, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling might have been pretty high in air yards last year, but his volume was super low. You're going to see vertical shots down the field for Chris Olave. You're going to see stuff near the line of scrimmage. You're going to see intermediate passing game. You're going to see it all. He is one of the, to me, the most obvious breakout players in all of fantasy football this year. I think a lot of the rhetoric that we've been using surrounding Garrett Wilson applies to Chris Olave. He will be the captain of fields favorites this year. He is the player that I'm leaving with more than any other player in drafts this year. Love that. Uh, Yeah. Top seven and average depth of the target, but also yards per route run. So he's vertical, but he's also seeing Tar- he's being yep. targeted when he runs routes totally uh, fantasy points per snap as well top seven in all those categories with a 27 percent target share as a rookie he was 26 on a points per game basis and fantasy points why here's the only thing they need to fix he was 68th at wide receiver and snaps, so snaps. yeah that's not going to be the same this year, I, right? no, absolutely not no way. and that number is going to go up and he's going to be more productive this season so his efficiency may come down but the volume is going to go up uh, and by the way, the latest, the latest reports I saw, uh, we're going to talk about this, guys. So this will be a kind of move us along here, but a segue. That's what that's oh, called. Oh, right? a segue. segue. That's what there that's we called. go, Mike. Uh, the reports are, you're right, Alave, superstar. Like Michael, Michael Thomas reports are not prime Michael Thomas mm. anymore. That's, the, that's again, I'm not at camp. That's just what reports are saying. Yep. Anyway. So last year, Michael Thomas only played three games. Actually, and just to go back to the beginning, in case you haven't played fantasy football for a while, Michael Thomas started his career with four straight top 10 finishes at the position and has played just 10 games over the last two seasons. It's such a difficult thing to be able to figure out, Mike, because with this, it's like we watched the guy literally be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Literally the best for one year. For yeah, a way, his yeah, last one year. full season he was. Yeah. And then these last two seasons, it's like, man, we don't know who Michael Thomas is. Now with Chris Olave here, like, what are you doing can, with Michael Thomas? Can I Thomas? give you a stat really quick before yeah, we get into this? love that. The, how, we speak about Justin Jefferson in very deserved ways right now. Mm-hmm. Most catches and most receiving yards through three seasons in NFL history. Yep. Just rewind this back in time. Through four seasons, Michael Thomas had more catches and more receiving yards than any other player in NFL history. Can you imagine a scenario where like four years from now, we're like, remember that that guy, Justin Justin Jefferson, Jefferson? who was good back in the day? It just seems unfathomable, right? So like where we are, where we are now, I guess low, sorry, visually, uh, (laughs) where we are now versus where we were four years ago or whatever it was, Michael Thomas's fourth year. That's wild to me. Insane. So Field saying Justin Jefferson's a bust. We should trade him now. Don't draft him. Can we get that one clip, please? (laughs) Clip it. Clip it. Are you in? I mean, is, is Michael Thomas worth a potential late round flyer knowing what he has been in the past? You know what? I have him 38th and I think he's fine in the late rounds. There's sometimes where he's the top receiver left on my board. Look, last year yeah. through three games, he was wide receiver 16. He had three touchdowns uh, and he came out strong. So he, did. I, he wanted Derek Carr there. He wants to be in New Orleans again. I've, I don't know if that was necessarily the case last year. It's not the worst. He's 30, right? It's not 33, 34. Like he's still 30. There's a chance that he's at least a 
a flex option or a wide receiver three. So scan to the, to the running backs listening to the show right now. They're like, wait, Michael Thomas is 30, not 33, 34. Know, right? like, you know, he's got, he's got, he's a spring chicken. Meanwhile, yeah, I'm 28. It's like, well, <laughs> get you know, that guy out of here. Get that guy, you know, do you like, still in the league? What? Yeah, I know. Seriously. Right. Like, <laughs> oh man. Um, I've got him as wide receiver 47. I'm a little bit, uh, I think, I just think that, um, at that point of the draft, there are just so many scintillating rookies that I'm like, Oh, I'd rather throw that dart against Jackson Smith and Jigba or somebody like Jordan that. Addison. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally well, Addison I'm, I'm, I'm a different category. There. Totally. Totally. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, delirious. Rashid Shahid hype too. You know, he played pretty well last season. He did. You know, if Thomas does stumble or gets beat up, he's the guy that could make a, a second year leap as well. Great piece by a uh, cat Terrell, our awesome Saints reporter about right. the Shahid family. They're like all sprinters. I didn't know that. They're oh, all like, wow. they're just all extremely fast, which that's I guess where, that's where it comes from. Kind of how it works, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, um, I didn't get those. That's my what, story. I'm what genetics did you get from your family? Cause I didn't get the fast ones. That's um, not a thing that I got from mine. And my dad's about to turn 76 in a week and he's still got great hair. I th- I'm hoping that's you the one do that have okay. great yeah, hair. You great should hair. have it for a long yeah. time. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Yeah. By the way, your dad, how old does your dad look as a 76 year old? Like, like 25. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That, that's, my that's dad gets happen. carded less than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I got all my a musical ability from my dad. Oh, is that right? Uh, oh, that's that. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And your handyman stuff. Yeah, I do a lot of handyman stuff. It's Dan's, fun. Daniel, it's so weird. We're in, I'm in a group thread with Daniel from all of his, his home buddies, and they'll call him Dan. Everybody I get calls so thrown off. Yeah. yeah. What? It's, like, it's, yeah, it's, Dan, was, Dan was defending the Dan, the Dan yesterday. I'm yeah. like, who the hell is, who Dan? is Dan? I would never know that was you. Yeah. Like, I, field, I know. Right? We've talked about that. First name what, basis, what are you going to call Dan, I would need Dan. What are you, Fee? What, what are you? What are you shortened field to? Yeah, I mean, uh, no one. No one calls me by my 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 full name, Maximus Prime. They just call That's me. Oh, field, okay, so, yeah. right. short okay, and it's time to keep moving. <laughs> All right. What about Juwan Johnson, Field Yates? Are you in on potentially having a tight end here from the Saints offense, or was he more of a flash in the pan last year? Uh, really, really, really good athlete and fun to watch with the football in his hands. I have concerns about the volume. I think he'll be a good red zone producer for them because he is such a good athlete. He's a converted wide receiver from his Penn State and Oregon days uh, in college, but uh, I'm concerned. There are just a lot of bodies in that tight end room mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yep. Uh, I've got him as tight end 19. I moved him down to tight end 18. I saw that I had him 14 on the list. I think that was too high with the guys I had behind him. I'm down to 23rd. I, you've mentioned uh, touchdowns. He had seven last year. I think that number comes down with Taysom Hill being involved in that area. They brought in Foster Moreau, who's yeah. an underrated player, and they're going to set up place for Jimmy Graham. Like right. He's probably going to make the roster, roster. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like he has a chance to. Like, yeah. And I think that's going to be his job is yeah. to catch, Just you know, catch touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, so. Goal line fades only for yeah, Jimmy I'm, Graham. I'm out on Johnson. Mike, you told us you wanted to talk about this. Yeah, potentially number one rated Saints defense. Uh, yeah, I'll make this quick, but just check this out. The, the Saints defense, this, these are the quarterbacks they play this season, right? Okay. Assuming they're healthy and the rookies play. Okay? I'm looking at their schedule. All right. I'm Ryan Tannehill, yep. Bryce Young twice, Desmond Ritter twice, Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trash twice. <laughs> okay. Jordan Love, Mac Jones, CJ Stroud. Now we get to the tough part. Wow. Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, another rookie, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Matt Stafford. At so, least half wow. of those games. So you might say there's a couple decent names on there, but think about this. These are the quarterbacks they are not playing at all this season. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, pretty much all 10 fantasy all quarterbacks. You know what I got? Dak I Prescott, figured out. Uh, Dak Prescott, Tua, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson. They don't face any of those quarterbacks. You know what? I figured out what you said you categorized. That first list was the up-and-comers. The second list was the overrated guys. Is that correct? Wow. Wow. It's, yes. Cut it. Clip it. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, if you're looking for, they're going to play the Saints week, or the Titans week one, you're probably fine starting them there, and then the schedule is, it's a breeze pretty much the whole season. Start the season is a really nice schedule. Saints defense, someone maybe to target if you want to just, like, wait in the defense. Oh, not 
you should always wait for yes. the defensive position. Don't ever take a defense. Yeah, probably, yeah, definitely one you can grab late and feel good about all year long. And you might be, we're going to get to this, but the Saints win total, if you're watching, you probably saw it was nine and a half, and you're thinking, you're like, the same as like Miami? Like, really? Is it nine and a half? This, that's why. The division that's schedule is, so is why. They have the easiest oh, yeah. schedule in the NFL. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yesterday, we covered it. This is now a Rashad White podcast, Mike Clay. <laughs> yeah, it is. What do you have to say? Did, was there any further hate do, from do, any do of our people? Do we defend your honor or no? I, did I not do that yesterday? Well, I mean, uh, was, you did it by yourself. I can I can add to that if you okay, like. Okay, go ahead. I think the question, so here's the question on Rashad White, is that we saw him last season. He had the fourth fewest yards per carry amongst all players mm-hmm. with at least 100 carries in 2022. Mm-hmm. Is that a Rashad White stat, or is that more an offensive line stat, which was a total mess last year for Tampa Bay? For the record, Leonard Fournette's rushing efficiency, very similar. I think yeah. he was third fewest. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah. Yeah. so it sounds like it might very well have been a Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line stat. Well, things during this time of the year generally do feel more optimistic across the board in the NFL. Uh, the Bucks' offensive line this offseason, they traded away Shaq Mason, a guy at right guard who has been a l- very good player for a long time. And as of right now, Ryan Jensen, their Pro Bowl slash All-Pro left center, is not practicing. The team did uh, joint practices with the Jets this week, and Jensen just stayed behind. I think he's getting more treatment. So are we certain that this offensive line is much improved? No. Moreover, I think Rashad White's a solid prospect. Um, third round pick, though, right? This is not a you know a guy who came in with immense amount of pedigree, and I think part of the roster construction for the Bucks right now is simply that this team had a tighter budget than anybody in the NFL this entire offseason. Part of the reason why I don't think they've made a play for a Zeke or a Dalvin Cook or maybe even eventually a Kareem Hunt is that they have literally no money left to spend. They are capped out. And you know why? Because they won the freaking Super Bowl by trade by acquiring Tom Brady and going all in for multiple seasons. It's totally justifiable. But I don't know that in a perfect scenario, this is how they wanted to construct the running back room. So um, I, I can see why there are some legitimate red flags here. The counterpoint, as Mike dove into yesterday, or that it's the thinnest depth chart in the NFL. He right. seems primed for a big workload, and he's a legit pass catcher. Like Rashad mm-hmm. White caught the ball very effectively last year. They're not going to throw it nearly as much to the running backs this season, but that does help create a bit of a floor. Yeah, uh, pass volume will be way down in the post way, way, uh, Tom way down Brady era. Every, like not just to the running backs, to everybody. Yes. yes, absolutely. He was 11th in catches last season as a rookie, which even in a high-volume offense, impressive that he was involved that much. So Especially because that- Leonard Fournette was... What fourth? Yeah, he was up there as well. Yeah, they like threw like seventy-two or seventy-three. Yeah, I mean, Tom there. Brady set the completion record last year, right. so uh, that that would help. Uh, but we did see him. There was one game Leonard Fournette uh, missed, and they said, "Okay, we'll give Rashad White the lead back job." He played ninety-one percent of the snaps, fourteen awesome. carries, yeah. caught all nine of his targets, had over a hundred scrimmage yards in that game. Uh, and I agree. I mean, because it's Chase Edmonds and Keyshawn Vaughn and the undrafted Sean Tucker, and they're not going to add someone else, most likely. The thought process here probably is let's give this kid an opportunity to be the lead guy. And all all indications are that will be the case. So if he struggles and averages 3.7 yards per carry, he might do that in 250 carries and catch 40, 50 balls and be a solid RB two. And if he's the real deal and a star and the team stays healthy, he could be in the RB one conversation. So I like him a lot as a breakout player. He's one of my favorite RB two targets, but at the same time, it is he's inexperienced and the depth is a concern and they are one of the shakier units on paper. The shakiest unit on paper, the right. most unproven unit on paper in the NFL as things stand today. You had a, a stat similar to this, boss man. I'm going to throw one out there too. Boss man. Like this. 
My he, name now. He, uh, Rashad White, you're talking about when he was able to get the volume. He had four games with at least four game stretch where he had at least 15 touches in every single one of those four game stretches. He averaged 14 and a half fantasy points per game. That would have been running back 13 on the year. Yeah. By the I way, wonder how many of those were catches, though. I don't care. Be- no, I do. Because, I've, you know, targets are just so much more valuable than carries. And last year they were basically the dink and dunk offense of, I guess, like NFL history, right? Like, I don't know that I've ever seen an offense that was so horizontally horizontally inclined. They couldn't protect, they couldn't protect Brady at all. It was snap, get the ball out. Yeah, I agree with you. But at the same time, if you're... Let's sort out who's most likely to lead this team in targets. Probably Chris Godwin would be first. Yep. Mike Evans, Evans would be too. second. White could be third, especially with Russell Gage on Fair. IR. He's done yeah. for the year. Yeah. David Moore may, might be the favorite for the three job right now. Rakeem Jarrett, just a couple of guys competing. Kate Otten's a candidate for that. But Rashad White very easily could finish third on this team. You know, the best part is that like we're having to defend Mike's honor. We all have as an RB2. I know. Yeah. Like, I know. I love it. Like, I yeah, really we all like Rashad White. Like, a lot of us, we're going to have a lot of Rashad White. It's just yeah. that, you know, if you had to stack up the best or I don't know, Mike had to do this. He had to stack up the running back rooms around the NFL, yeah, and many fantasy, of them are NFL. very deep, and mm-hmm. the Bucks are not. Yep, that's exactly right. All right, I want to close out with this one, Field. I thought you had, this was really good. I want to give you some roses here. You had asked oh, wow. this question while we were talking about in our pre-show meeting. Yep. Last year, we had this conversation. We were like, you know what? Geno Smith is going to be the quarterback of the Seahawks. We're out on DK. Mm-hmm. DK is going to suck this year. Tyler right. Lockett, we're not going to do that. And then they turned in really great performances because the quarterback play was actually serviceable and quite a bit better than what we thought. Yeah. This year, you call this, it kind of feels like that's the same exact thing that's happening with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, that's the question that I have is will the exact same thing happen? Will Baker Mayfield slash Kyle Trask? It sounds like Baker's probably got the inside track to start week one and we'll see how long that lasts for. Um, can they be this year's version of the Seahawks? Because we overlook them all off season. And I think at some point you have to remember that like great players just produce. And Chris Goblin is a great player over the past four seasons. He has 353 catches. That is sixth in the NFL. Uh, Mike Evans over the past four seasons has 41 receiving touchdowns. That is second in the NFL. Only Devonte Adams has more. So um, I, I don't want to go too far with my displeasure for these players because I think that I've said this before. Mike Evans is a future Hall of Famer, and Chris Godwin is a stone cold stud. So that's the balancing act you have right now with these two wide receivers. But mm-hmm. it's just about the quarterback position, right? We were out on the Seahawks wide receivers last year because yeah. we were like, the quarterback is not going to be good. Is but, Baker going to be able to sustain what that potential? You know, the only thing I want to push back on that, though, is that when we went in very similar to this, and, and I'll get to it in a second, but going into last offseason, that was our concern, right? Like yep. big quarterback drop off, we thought, and efficiency, yeah. and we dropped those guys in our rankings. But they ended up being values and they were easy to draft a lot like Josh Jacobs, how it was like, all right, initially there were some concerns there, but then his ADP fell and we liked him at cost by right. the end of the off season. It was the same thing with Godwin and Mike Evans last season. And that's how I feel about Seattle right now. Okay. Uh, or excuse me. I said that opposite, like ta- uh, Tampa Bay right now and all the early months, February, March, yeah. April, we were talking about this. Wow. We're like really low. And you know, Mike Evans has never not been top 25 and we're like, 26th, 28th, they were really low. And then you start seeing ADP and doing drafts and doing mocks, and suddenly you're like, they're falling way too far. Suddenly I want Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at cost. That's happening right now. Absolutely. I want to tell you this. Right now, Mike Evans coming off the board as wide receiver 24 in the seventh round. Chris Godwin coming off the board as wide receiver 26th Mm -hmm. in the eighth round. We actually have that that flipped. We have Chris Godwin definitely ranked ahead of Mike Evans. I'm surprised right now, right now that the community sees Evans as a wide receiver. They'd rather take over Chris Godwin. 
Do you yeah. feel that way? I mean, I think I, I prefer Godwin just because mm-hmm. at least in recent seasons, he had become the volume king, right? I mean, there was a time earlier in Chris Godwin's career where he was more like a 14 or 15 yards per catch guy. Yep. But my guess would be that the Bucks, especially with the injured Russell Gage, would continue to lean very heavily on Chris Godwin as that slot monster. Yeah. Godwin's been top 15 on a points per game basis four straight seasons. He's good at football. He's, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, yeah. And, you know, here's the truth. Baker is a very easy guy to dunk on. First overall pick, brash, a lot of bravado, you know, planted the flag in the Ohio State Oklahoma game. Like, he's an easy guy to not love. Yeah. Um, but he played serviceable, serviceable football for the Rams on like no notice last year. Maybe he was claimed off of waivers and played Thursday night of that week. So, like, you know, it's, it's not totally unfathomable that Baker could play a full season and be solid enough. Here's a question for you. All right, we didn't talk about any of the quarterbacks as yeah. fantasy options. Who's the most likely like deep flyer to be fantasy relevant in this division? Yeah, Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I agree. Best because of his rushing. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. he's my deep sleeper for quarterbacks. Highest floor We're is Derek Carr, yeah. but Derek Carr's never been top ten in his career. Yeah, he probably he's the safest highest floor in like a super flex league. Yep. I agree with you on Ritter though yeah. because of he didn't really run last year, but he definitely is the highest ceiling. I mean, he was a he great runs. runner in college. He yeah. is. Uh, we are doing a sleepers bust and breakout show on Monday, Ooh, and fun. I might have just spilled the beans on my quarterback sleeper. All right, so let's look at this. The Bucks have a six and a half win projection. Mike Clay, are you Ooh. taking the over or under on six and a half I'm wins? Very close on this one, six point four. So I'll stay away. I'll say under, under yep. field, under. Obviously, not making the playoffs. Then okay. let's talk about the Saints. Nine and a half win total. Over, over on that one. I'm Mike over. Clay. I think they get to ten and win this division because yep. of the schedule. Same division winners. Mm-hmm. All right, Falcons at eight and a half wins. Do they best that this year, Mike Clay? Under seven point four. Big, big gap for me. Yeah, I'm going eight. So under. Under there as well. Wow. Okay, guys. I might take the over on that. No, okay. it's eight, that nine wins. Nine wins. I just oh, don't. Wait, I have to see it from Nobody Ritter. knows. That's a lot. All right. And then the Panthers, seven and a half wins with Bryce Young under seven, center. Under. 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 Yep. under seven wins for me, 7.1. All we right, agreed so more than I liked right there, Mike. We've That's only got one good. team making the playoffs out of this division. Correct. Which, yeah, it's a very, sense. very weak division. We have to get yep. the Lions in there somehow. So. Oh, I didn't need that, Mike. Wow, parting shot from Mike Clay. You're not bad. Hey, at least they're yeah. being talked about as a playoff team now, okay? That's true, yeah. Yeah, by some people, by good analysts. All right, we want to thank you guys for hanging out with us today and hanging out all week with us. Hopefully you caught the Fantasy Football Marathon. If for some reason you still want to check out the mock draft we did in the Fantasy Marathon, it was a ton of fun. Check it out on the ESPN on NFL YouTube page. Yeah, yeah. But for Field and Mike, my name is Daniel. We love you guys. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. Have an awesome weekend. Wear sunscreen. We'll see you on Monday. Best weekend ever. So you should have. Hey, Great radio the, show, by yeah, the way. By the way, you uh, you guys didn't ask me what skill I got from my dad. What skill did you get from your dad? So he was a really good race car driver, like yeah. one of the best in Pennsylvania, and I'm a racing fan. Hey! I'm telling you, he's Daniel. 
two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.